Good morning, afternoonish, everybody. My name is Tucker Mayo. You are at Calvary Chapel Boise Church this morning. Even though we're not at our church, we're at Church in the Park. So welcome. It is so cool from my perspective to see all of you guys. Thank you all for coming. I imagine we have some people here that have maybe never joined us. There's probably some people that didn't plan on doing anything uh, to do with church this morning, but maybe you were just walking by and you pulled up a chair. We're glad that you're here. Um, I'm really excited to be here because for those of you who have been part of our church, you know we usually do this every year. And last year was a little bit different. Is everybody aware of last year being an off year for so many things? So we didn't get to gather. This is our chance to come back together. And as we were thinking about this morning and just what this day was going to be for and why we would do something like this, um, it's really important that I share why we're here with you. Because there are some really good answers, but there's only one real answer that we're here. One of the, one of the reasons we love to get together is because we're a church that gets broken up by a lot of different services. And so it's so fun to see some of you first service people hanging out with the second service people, hanging out with the Wednesday night crew. I hope that you'll find some time today to meet someone that you've been going to church with for years that you never even knew. Uh, so that's one good reason to come together is that we can all be together and see who we are when we hang out at a park. Uh, another good reason is it's always fun to, in the summer months of Boise, Idaho, look around. Look at the city that we live in, that you can come and be in the center of our city with the canopy of trees right outside the zoo, and you have this amazing river and a campus. So it's, it's just good to enjoy the place that God has placed you. Another good reason, but not the real reason that we're here. And now I want to talk about why we are here. Why do we get together outside of the comfort of our normal little gathering and set up uh, places to eat and have fun and, and, and get together in this way? And, and really, there's one reason. And that's because the Bible says that there's the greatest joy that you get to experience on this side of heaven. That there's, there's more rejoicing when one person decides to follow Jesus, decides to give their life to Jesus, more than 99 people who have no need of repentance. And so what this day represents is the faithfulness of God to this city and to our church and to individual lives today that have gone from being lost outside of God's grace, outside of the knowledge of who God is. Today we get to witness and some of you get to experience the entrance into the kingdom of God. And that is why we come here. We, we come here specifically, amen. Specifically for one feature of this park, and that is this beautiful little river that runs through our city. We're going to go right after this service. We're going to leave, and we're going to make this walk that is almost, you can almost remind you of the walk from Egypt to the promised land. We're going to walk as a big group of people going from this message of freedom and salvation and joy that God can redeem anyone and we're going to take a short little walk to this beach where people today are going to share with the world, whoever's there to witness, that they've made a decision to follow Jesus. And so some of you are prepared to 
do that today. You brought a spare change of clothes. Some of you may hear this message and decide to do that today. And others of you have already made that decision but get to celebrate. It kind of reminds me of a wedding, which is good because it's wedding season. When you go to a wedding, if you're already married, you know what happens oftentimes is you listen to these vows that two people are about to exchange with one another, and you think to your significant other that you've already made the vow for, let's recommit to that. So if you're a believer, you're going to hear a message today that God is the way, and you've made that decision. You're going to say, Amen. And today I'm going to rejoice in that for myself and I'm going to celebrate that for someone else. And then also at the wedding is the joy and the celebration. So I want to share a passage of scripture this morning to invite some and to cause all of us to be renewed and restored with the message that we call the good news. The message that in a world where there's a lot of bad news, in a world where if you actually open up your news reader in whatever way you consume it, it's a good chance that you have a lot of things to be concerned about, to be fearful of, to be in doubt over, to be worried about, concerned about of the future because the world is full of bad news. And yet there is a good God who is good all the time and he's faithful and he enters into the world of bad news and he brings the counter news, the good news. We call that the gospel, and we're going to share it with you this morning for all of us to celebrate as we sing more songs, and then for some of you to say, I want that news to be what my life is now defined by. Here's a passage of scripture. This is the words of Jesus, who we just sang all of these songs were about Jesus. And this is what Jesus says about entering into his kingdom, which we're going to do in the picture of baptism today for many people. He says to enter in by the narrow gate. This is Matthew chapter 7. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. But narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are only a few who find it. So this is the passage of scripture that I want to share with you. And as as I think about sharing it in the middle of our city to anyone who has ears to hear, following, riding your bike, walking by, sitting in a, a park full of people who believe in Jesus, what I just shared with you sets me apart. And anyone who doesn't follow Jesus or believe in God will hear that and say, narrow minded people singing songs about an invisible God and They believe there's a narrow way to enter in. But I already told you this is actually really good news. The way, in fact, is narrow, and it is difficult, and yet it leads to life. And there is a decision that every single one of us has to make about the path that your life is on. The Bible says there is a broad way that is easy, that will lead to destruction, and there is a narrow way that is hard, and it will lead to life. So in the good news message, I also come with a message of a difficult and hard path of life that leads to life. And this will be a salvation message for the destiny of your soul. And yet before I even say that, it's a message about your life today. Anything good in your life will come after something that you commit to that is difficult and hard. Jesus says, this is your life. Life is hard and it's narrow. And when you choose the narrow way of life, you actually get more life. Is that not true? 
How many of you have ever set out to accomplish anything? And in setting out, you realize that to really do anything valuable with your life, it's only a matter of time before you really don't want to do it anymore. I think of the, the college students among us, because we're at Boise State. College is hard. It's difficult. It's narrow. To get to the four-year other side, you have to give your life to your education. I think of anyone who's ever tried to do something we won't do today, which is to live a disciplined life with your body when it comes to the consumption of the food that you eat. And what you do to your body will turn into life or it will turn into destruction. How many of you have set out to live a disciplined life with your body around January 1st and then not long after thought, you know what? It would be a lot easier to not do this. Every diet is a good idea until the dessert. Every discipline is a good idea until it gets a little bit difficult. In fact, I see a lot of kids this morning, and parents, you know this all too well. In fact, coming to a park instead of going to church with your kids is a lesson in the reality that anything good is hard and anything broad is destructive. Because you know what you parents of young kids are going to do this morning? You're going to strap them down the best you can. You're going to strap them to their strollers, or you're going to put them in a contained area, and one parent is going to take turns watching them, because right over there is a broad path to a river that if they go in there, they get swept away, and they go downstream, and you hope to drag them out, but you might not. Children will teach you this lesson. In fact, as parents, or anyone who's trying to help someone else, you have to learn the rhythm of saying no to things all the time. I'm exhausted by the amount of things I have to say no to every day. It's like, please don't color your brother's face with marker. Don't do that. Uh, please stop climbing on that. You're going to fall. You're going to break that. Uh, put that down. Go clean up your room. Uh, clean up your toys. Go to bed on time. Wake up on time. Life in a younger stage is just a lesson that anything good in life takes discipline. In fact, as I was thinking about this morning and the excitement of inviting people into the narrow way, uh, I was talking to my own daughter. And I said, listen, I don't want you to leave the room until it's clean. Just pick it up. Parents, can you relate to these moments? And my child says, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and I, was, I told her, I said, it's because I love you so much. And she said, how is this loving me? I said, I'm loving you because I'm making you good. It's good to have discipline. It's good to know how to clean your room and organize things and wake up on time and go to bed on time. And she said something very profound that I think all of you hearing this message should feel or should react. She said, you say you're trying to make me good, but you're only making me mad. And I thought, you are a little theologian because that is, in fact, the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is to say there is one way that leads to life. In fact, Jesus, who, as you study his life and listen to his message, he's the most loving person you'll ever hear. He welcomed anyone at his table, tax collectors, sinners, harlots, ex-cons, prisoners. He had total inclusion that anyone could hear his message of life. And yet, he came with a message that said, I'm the way. And I am the truth. 
and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. The most loving person with the message of love that has changed history was also the most narrow person. He said, you really want the message? Then you have to follow the only person who can take you there. And we live in a world that says, leave everything undefined. Do whatever you want with your life. The only real bad news in your life is when someone will tell you that what you've chosen for your life is actually something that could be harmful for your life. And unfortunately, that is a message that we come with this morning. There is one road that leads to life and life more abundant, and that is the road that takes you to the presence of God. Any road that does not take you to the presence of God will take you towards a river of your own destruction. Because although we, we grow and we learn how to find discipline in our daily life, we are all like children in the end, and we go astray towards things that we think are good for our lives, and yet they aren't. An example being this. One thing that we're all made for is this divine spark of love. We are made to love God. We are made to love one another. And it doesn't matter if you're here listening with believers' ears or you're here as a skeptic. You desire in your heart to be loved. And we live in a world that says, love is broad. Just love emotionally and love however you feel. Love who you want, when you want, how you want, undefined. The only thing you have to watch for is someone telling you what love is and that it has a source and the fountain of love comes from God himself. And yet Jesus comes on the scene and says, why do you think it's impressive that you guys love your friends? Anybody can do that. It's really easy to love people that you get along with. It's very easy to love your family and care for the newborn and help people that help you. But what Jesus says is, I'm taking the broad love and I'm going to give it very clear directives. And here's the good news message today. If you love like God loves, you love enemies. You love people who hurt you. You love people that you disagree with. You love people that you politically don't align with. You love people that will never love you back. The gospel message is that we believe in a God who loves the whole world. And he shows us that love by saying there's no greater way that you can know this than when someone lays down their life so that you can know that you're loved. And that is the message of salvation that we find in the one narrow path carved out by the one Savior of the world. And I want this morning to feel not just like your typical church service, because what we're here to do today is to say that God is alive and God is real and God has drawn us in this place to hear the message of his love and to call us to action. Some of us responded to this by saying, I want to enter into the narrow gate. There's no better way to represent your entrance into the narrow gate than the narrow gate of baptism. And yet before I share that with you, I want to have some people share their own stories of this. God is real in each person's life. So I want to have some stories shared today that will, I hope, encourage some of you that the, the decision you make to be baptized is something that truly does impact the destiny of your life. And I want to also share it because what we don't want in baptism is to welcome people into the kingdom of God and then let them wander around hoping to find relationship that they were made for. So the first person I want to have share today is a pastor at our church, and his 
conviction of life is to welcome people into the kingdom of God and say, now let us narrowly love one another, defined by the way that God teaches us to love. So Kirk, will you share that message of the love of God for the people of God today? Thank you, Tucker. Um, let's give Tucker a hand so far. I love this man. So we didn't get to welcome him at the beginning. Like Tucker said, uh, I'm so thankful to be part of this family, the family of God, part of Calvary Boise. 26 years ago today, I was baptized uh, in the river down there, and, and that was super significant for me because, thank you. <laughs> um, when I got baptized, after I came to Christ, one of the big things for me was I was a student at Boise State University, and I was living in a house with a group of friends and, and when that happened, I knew that when I turned to Jesus Christ, not because they didn't love me on one level, but because there is this narrow way in Broadway, I knew that I was probably going to lose my entire community by this decision to follow Jesus. And so not only did I get baptized and be able to recognize that G I died in my sins with Jesus on the cross and I rose from the dead with him to walk in newness of life, but I also was welcomed into the family of God on that day. Welcomed into this community. And, and so I appreciate what Tucker said, that that is my conviction, that for those who will be baptized today, you'll be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because you're baptized in the name of the Father, that means that you are now a child of God, a son or daughter of the King of the universe himself. What a wonderful identity to not only have one time in your baptism, but to live out and so uh, here's what I want to say to you this morning. It is a narrow way. Um, you could be a part of all sorts of communities or families in this world, and that's a big thing now. People say, I'm in this community, I'm part of this family, this is my community. But you notice how they're all polarized. If you're different, then you have to be in a different community. But here in the body of Christ, the narrow way is that we get to be a part of the community that is diverse and inclusive while yet being the narrow way of Jesus. And so what I want to say to you this morning is this, that uh, as you consider your baptism, or if you are here considering Jesus, think about this. You've been longing your entire life for relationship and community and family. Um, this got brought home to me the other day. My wife shared a story with me. A friend of hers on Facebook uh, sadly had gone through a divorce and then after that, uh, had attempted through a dating site to connect with people and then got kind of like a, a, a relationship going, but then got rejected. And he shared this on Facebook. And as he shared this and said, I'm just so lonely in life. What happened was you should have seen the comments, just a list of men in particular, but people in general that were just saying, me too. I am lost. I am lonely. I have no relationship. I have no community. And so my question to you this morning is, if you long for that, doesn't that say that there should be a reality? And, and Jesus is saying, the narrow way is my people, my family, that because of my blood, you can enter into freely and have loving relationship with people. And, and so I want to invite you today, if you're longing for family and community, that longing is satisfied in Jesus Christ and being part of his family. Now, church, we're not perfect. Amen. Church, we're not perfect. Uh, we need to learn to love one another. 
And I want to invite you as well, on the back of your bulletins, there's a thing talking about our Calvary communities coming up. And we're just not trying to push a program. We're trying to express this reality that we want to love one another in Jesus' family. And so I want to invite you, whatever that looks like for you, that today as we talk about baptism and being part of the family of God, that you think about how you are defining and gathering a tribe and part of a community that you can say, not just in this wonderful family gathering we have here, but in everyday life, I've got these 10 to 12 people or 15 people. I'm loving them through the hard stuff. They're loving me. We're being the family of God. And so um, I want to invite you to that today, both to be baptized. If you don't know Jesus, be part of the family of God. We love you. He loved you first, but we love you too. If you're a Christian here today, let's live as the family of God as an expression of our baptize in this, baptism in this narrow way. So let's have Tucker come back up and tell us more about the narrow way of Jesus. Amen. Wow. Kirk, a huge part of my baptism story was when I was a senior in high school, there was this this guy that worked at Eddie Bauer in the mall, and he had a kind of a 90s goatee and corduroy pants and uh, all the 90s stereotypes. I think he drove a Suzuki sidekick, and his name was Kirk Krager, and he would come into my high school and talk about Jesus, and I ended up just absorbing all of that, and it really is... Part of what he was sharing, that every single one of you represents someone that God wants to call into his kingdom. Because God, in his sovereignty, for whatever reason, it's still sometimes baffling when I think about days like today, and I get to, I get to invite, I'm sending an invitation to the, the feast of eternity. Why does God use us? Why does God use the broken and the, the, the shattered people, all of us, are falling short of the glory of God. And yet, when we enter into the narrow gate, it says it leads to life. And the life that we have found in Christ is no life that you can find apart from him. Which means that those of you who believe have an incredible witness to the power of God in your life. That you yourself have gone from a broad pursuit, and we all have versions of it. You're going to hear some stories of people who went down the broad path. And this really is a story of two destinations. And that is the message this morning that has to be proclaimed. That you will hear the invitation of God for the two destinations that will be offered to you in the pursuits of your life. There is a destination that will lead to life, and there is a destination that is destructive. I think about that in practical terms. I think everything that God gives us spiritually, we see physically. This summer, I got to go visit my grandma in New York, which was a long trip, a long car trip. Many of you have heard about this trip because when you strap four kids to four car seats and take a 2,000-mile road trip, you get a life lesson out of that almost every day. But here's the reality. There's one way to get there. There's, as, as you think about the map of the United States, did you know there are four million miles of roads that just interlock all over the place? There's just roads everywhere. And for all of you that want to go anywhere, there is one way to get there. And there's a lot of ways to not get there. But the destination itself does not change based off where you are traveling. 
to get to the park this morning, you came by a certain route and you landed right here to hear the message go out, to worship the Lord. And the reality is, that is how truth works. To find a way, you have to find the narrow way that takes you there. And when I shared with you that Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life, he came to give life and life more abundant now, but then he goes on to say that no one will get to the Father except by me. And we live in a day, and it's probably always been this way, where the idea of heaven, living in the presence of God for all eternity, which was what we're talking about today, this message of baptism is a message to represent life gone into the water to die, and when you come out of the baptismal waters, it's representing a newness of life that you carry with you into, into eternity. And when we talk about that, the message of the destination of your soul, it's not a choose-your-own-adventure. You don't get just to say, well, I do my best to be a pretty good person. In fact, this this whole verse that we're looking at this morning comes up in the context of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the majority of the Sermon on the Mount, when we talk about the dangers of not following Christ, Jesus says, beware of religion. You may hear this message today and think the Broadway is going to lead you to jail or prison or it's going to lead you down a path that will eventually make you a degenerate con artist. Maybe true for some of you. But in the context of what Jesus is saying, he says the Broadway could be just a religious expression where you still think you can save yourself. In the end, there are only two paths. And one of them can be disguised as religion. It can be disguised as self-determination. It can be disguised as self-righteousness. But it's all the same direction. I will be my own savior. I will be the master of my own life, the Lord of my own life. I will decide what to give my life towards and how I want to live and what I value and what my convictions are and I will define my own truth. Welcome to the modern age. But we come here this morning with a message that says you live the life according to your own desires and you will wind up on a broad path that leads you to nowhere. And some of the testimonies you'll hear this morning and all of you have a version of this who have decided to follow Christ, is that when you lived life your own way, it does not go towards more life. We are not the best at deciding what is good for our life. How many of you have been dead set on something you thought you had to have, and looking back on it, you are so grateful that you didn't get it? This is the story of your life apart from God. And what we're saying today, represented in the baptismal water, is that there is no way to find life and life more abundant apart from the author of life. And when we think about the narrow way, ultimately, it's not only to look at Jesus, but it's also to see that Jesus accomplished it. The gospel message of salvation is that he's the way and the truth and the life because he is the only one that has ever lived a perfect life. He's the only one who has ever given his whole life to the devotion of loving God and loving people. And he says, now follow me. So for those of you who are getting baptized, your representation of those waters is that you are dying to yourself. And that's where this message has to be fully explained. You're choosing the difficult way. To get baptized is to die. Jesus says, unless you hate your own life, you cannot be my disciple. When we decide to follow Jesus, we say, 
I'm not the master anymore. I'm not the Lord anymore. Jesus is. So before I invite some of you to be prayed for, to make the decision publicly to accept the Lord as the Lord, and your life is now given to him, and he owns your life. That's what you're being invited to. And with him owning your life, he leads you to green pastures and more life and life more abundant. I want to have a couple of my friends come up and share their own stories of how they found the Lord in their own life. So the first friend I want to introduce you to is Oscar. Oscar, will you come up? Can you give a round of applause for Oscar? You can take this. Oscar is such a special person in my life because he's the first person that I ever got to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I've known Oscar for about 10 years now, and there is a certain joy that I will always have for the moment that I got to watch your life go from the broad, destructive path of your own choosing towards Christ and the decision you made. So will you share what happened in your own life to bring us to that moment when we were in the baptismal waters? So what happened is I was lost in the street. You know, I grew up in the street. I was lost in drugs, you know, and all the crazy life out there. But I was looking for help, you know. I was, I was, I was homeless for a day, you know, and and it's not a good thing, you know, because when you call out your friends, when you really need help and you call out your friends and no one help you out, it's straight up, I never believe in God, you know, I never believe in Jesus and all that kind of stuff. But one day when I was in the street looking for a place to stay, I just look up and, and I ask God, you know, if you show me that you're real, if you really want to help me out, you know that I need a place to stay. I want to fix my life. But no, my homies, they don't want to help me out. So if you really want to help me out, here I am. It's all I got. I got nothing. It's all I got. It's my life. You want to use it, use it. But you know I need a place. But you know I don't trust in you. I don't know if you're real. But you show me that you're real. I give you my life. So my wife, the next day, she called me and said, hey, it's church tomorrow. You should come to church. And my homeboy called me and said, hey, homie, can you come and play soccer? Let's go play soccer, bro. I love soccer, you know. So I'm like, man, you know, I should go play soccer with my homie or, or I should go to the church. So I have car problems back in the day, you know. I was like, nah, I'm not going to play soccer. I'm going to go out. I'm gonna walk to the church. So I walked to the church. So that was my first day in the church, and I heard the pastor saying, I want to hug every one of you guys, but I don't got no time. How about this? Give me a favor. Hug your neighbor. <laughs> and I was like, man, you know, it's my first day in the church, and I got to hug this fool, you know? <laughs> so I hug him. So I give a hug, you know, after the service, same, same dude. He was sitting in the tables outside the church. So I come up, and, and I ask him, hey, what's up, bro? And he, he was like, how you doing, man? I'm good, but how you doing, Oscar? I never told this guy my name. But I'm like, man, you know, do you know my wife? Or, you, know, you know I need help, bro. He's like, no, but I know Jesus. How can I help you? And I'm like, man, you know, I just got out from jail last week. 
I'm staying in a hotel. Tonight is my last night in a hotel. I don't know where I'm going tomorrow. He was like, man, you believe in God? No, bro, straight up, I don't believe in God. But he's like, because last night in my prayer, I was mad with him because he put it in my heart. Because today I was supposed to walk with my mom and my sister to Africa. But he put it in my heart, you're not going nowhere because I need you to stay. Because he wants to show you that he's real. He wants to show you that he's real and he wants to help you out. He loves you. He wants to give you a place. So he gave me a place where when, when my friends, my homies, my corner let me down. So he never let me down. You know, he gave me a place. So cool. He gave me a life. So cool. Well, and then the next day, I, I remember, I'll always remember, I was driving a VW van at the time. Maybe some of you have seen it. I still have it, but I don't drive it as much. I was in an orange van, and I was parked, and I got a knock on the door. And it was Michael Vismana, big guy from, from Africa. And uh, he, yeah, that's right. Thank you. There's, is that Michael's mom? Oh, your brother, that's right. So Michael Bismarck knocks on my van door, and I open it, and I'm like, what's going on out here? And I put my shirt on, and I came out, and um, <laughs> he goes, hey, I got a guy here that you need to pray for. And so me and Michael and Oscar are huddled in this van, and we start praying and crying, and, and Oscar gives his life to the Lord, and I get to hear his story. So he and his wife are in the middle of this, you know, this challenging time. She actually had a restraining order against him at the time, and um, but she, but he says, I want to get baptized. I'm going to follow the Lord. And so we went down to C.W. Moore Park, and we decided to invite his wife. But to honor the, the restraining order, Michael marched off 100 yards, and, and she set up her lawn chair, and she's waving in the back while, while Oscar's 100 yards away, and they're, they're trying to figure out when they can see each other without breaking their restraining order. And, uh, and then we jumped over because it was locked. We jumped into that water wheel area. We had a guy watching for the cops so that he doesn't get arrested. And we jump over, and it was like, all right, in the name of the Father, so baptize you. And it was just the joy of heaven coming over you. And it was the first moment that I got to watch this incredible, supernatural, miraculous joy that comes when someone decides to let the whole world see that God can take someone that was on a broad path. When I met Oscar initially, it was like selling drugs, hip-hop, rap, gang-banging Oscar, and then it was like narrow way. Now it's all about Jesus. Amen? Love you, bro. Say hi to Oscar. He's, he's praying about helping Julio with the Latino church soon, so... The Lord's been using his life. He's turned into such a brother and a servant. You may see him. If you come to church, you may see Oscar greeting people and welcoming people. Uh, I want to invite now John and his family up. It's uh, such a joy to see from the beginning, uh, Oscar 10 years ago, and now John is making the decision today with your family. So uh, just thank you so much for sharing. Good to see you. Uh, but yeah, introduce your family and tell us why you're getting baptized. Hello, everyone. Um, this is my son, Ezekiel, and my wife, Kylie. Uh, if you heard him screaming over there, I apologize. Uh, part of my letter is about how children strengthen you. So, <laughs> um, so I'm just going to read off this letter. I apologize, but here we go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, my name is John Porter, and this is my testimony. I was born out of wedlock. I was adopted when I was just a few days old, and I never met my father, who passed away last year. 
It was an open adoption that allowed me to see my mother and her side of the family throughout my years growing up. From a young age, I knew there was brokenness in my life, even though I was adopted into a loving family that provided for me and cared for me. I grew up feeling, feeling and looking different than my adopted family, and it was painful at times. Resentment and bitterness grew in my heart towards God and the brokenness I was brought into. I learned how to medicate this pain in my heart in unhealthy ways, and this led to a path of destruction as a young man. God's word tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The sins of my father visited my life, and I never thought I would have a wife or children as a result of that path. But God had a plan for me. Before he formed me in the womb, he knew me. My favorite short phrase in the Bible is, but God. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That is my son Ezekiel being carried off stage, but his name means God strengthened, and he has done that in my life. So um, God's plan for my life was to provide for me and my beautiful wife, Kylie, and my son, uh, Ezekiel, along with a daughter on the way who's due next month. Praise God. Um, and his plan was to show that my life was in his hands and he would strengthen me through his love. I wanted to run away when I was younger, but God wanted to restore me. I stand here today as a witness to the power of God's love and what Christ did on the cross for all of us. This is my public declaration that I came from brokenness and was lost. But God has adopted me into his family forever through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you and God bless you all. Uh, and as a United States um, Marine veteran, I just want to say thank you to all the veterans out there, those that have lost families, you know, torn apart by the military and losing lives. I just want to say thank you to you, and it was an honor to serve in the Marines when I did. Thank you. Wow. I, uh, I wish we had time to have every person that was bap getting baptized share. Uh, so I'm just going to give one more plug. Even if you're not getting baptized, there is so much joy that we're going to get to witness on the river. So um, feel free to just come and witness. Um, I do want to share again, while we're here, we, once a year we get to come to the center of our city. And there's in our day and age right now, there is so much confusion. There's so much wondering about how all of this is going to unfold. And I'm just going to say it for anybody who's never heard it or for anyone who needs a reminder that God is good, that God is a God of love and mercy and grace, and God is a God that will have anyone who puts their faith in his power to save them and rejects this idea that you can save yourself or, or legislate the world or medicate the world into life, as you hear this message that there is a God and once the, every person has been appointed once to die and then comes judgment and you will meet him face to face and our only hope is to say, God, I did nothing but accept the free gift of grace. You loved me and I believed it and now I am saved because you have provided the life in your son that I could never have provided in myself. That's the message of our lives. That's the message of Calvary Boise. That's the message of every single one of you who believe that God is good and because of his goodness, we have hope for the future. So I hope that you believe that. 
I hope that you will receive that. And I want to share, I want to introduce one more person that is going to share his story and also another invitation for any of you to believe and to know this God of love. Uh, you guys may have, uh, if you've done any of our uh, weekend evangelism where we just share the Lord with people, if you've ever done any kind of homeless outreach with our church, then no doubt you know uh, my friend that I want to introduce to you. But I, I love this guy because not only is he a testament of what happens when God takes someone off the broad path of destruction and puts them on the narrow path of life, uh, he's also just a gifted sharer of the gospel. So uh, I want you to help me welcome up Chris Smith. And Chris, I just want you to share your story of, of how the Lord changed your life and, and anything he puts on your heart for uh, what people need to hear to believe in his name today. All right. Thanks, Tuck. I'm going to open in prayer real quick before I begin. Lord Jesus, we just come before you right now, Lord, and I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would open up every heart and open up ears to hear and eyes to see that you love each and every one of us equally and that it's no accident that each and every one of us are present here today, Lord. You have a plan and a purpose for all of us, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you would move in this park today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So a little about my story is that, you know, I grew up on the streets of Southern California. I grew up, you know, in a real dysfunctional family. It was broken. So at a really young age... I turned to the streets, and I got involved with gangs. I got involved with drugs, and I was running that broadened path that Tucker was talking about. And you see, through all that, you know, I had so much hurt and pain in my heart because of what was done to me that I hated my dad. I had hate towards my mom, but I still loved her, but I felt like she chose her boyfriend over me once they split up. But I, that anger I had, I fueled that in the streets. And I ran with gangs for basically my teenage years all the way up to the age of 30, 36 is when I surrendered to God. But through that, it's not that I had never heard of Jesus. There was seeds being planted in me even as a teenager, but I wanted nothing to do with God. There was a time in my life to where I was put into a men's home at the age of 19 and it was a Christian discipleship program. But I was still using meth. I was, still, I was stealing from places. I didn't want to surrender to God. And I remember there was a time to where something happened to me in that moment where I said, see, God, you're not real. And I hated God. But see, through that, into my 20s, I spent most of my, half of my 20s incarcerated in the California prison system. And at the age of 30, when I was released, I came, to, I came here to Idaho to live with my sister. And see, I came on an interstate compact, so I was still on parole. And I didn't really mess around with all the gang stuff. I didn't use drugs as far as like heroin and meth and anything else there was out there that was illegal. But I started drinking alcohol. And my mom would ask me one day, why are you drinking so much? And I justified it. I said, I'm not using drugs. It's okay. And you see, what ended up happening with that is by me drinking alcohol, I wasn't someone that could just drink one. My weekend of drinking was from Friday to Sunday nonstop until I passed out and woke up and drank again. But in April 11, 2009, I went to a party I should have never went to. And a rival gang member showed up at that party. And I made a choice to attack that man. And other people got involved with that incident. But this is where God was working in my life without me knowing it. 
The next day I called my mom and I said, Mom, I committed this crime. I'm going to go turn myself in, but I'm getting a life sentence no matter what because I have two strikes already. And see, at the time I didn't know Idaho doesn't have a three strikes law. They have a persistent violator and an habitual offender. And so the next, I waited about a week because for some reason, don't ask me why, I paid all my bills, I talked to my boss, and I got everything right, and then I went and turned myself in. And so what ended up happening was is I walked into PNP, turned myself in, and they thought I was crazy. So I had to describe the horrific crime I committed in detail. Then they read me my rights, they handcuffed me, and I was took to Ada County Jail. But see, I know God was working in my life at that moment because who would say voluntarily, here I am, I'm turning myself in, I'm never going to get out again. And I was someone that ran and ran and ran until they caught me every single time. And you see, six months into my sentence, that's when I attacked another rival gang member in the prison system and was sent to ADSEG and was in solitary for three years. And I remember when I was in there for those three years, I didn't even cry out to God. I would have pastors come to my door and try to talk to me. If they had treats for me at Christmas time, I would accept the cookies and tell them to leave. You know, I didn't want nothing to do with them. And so when I was let back in the general population, I was in D2, which is a closed custody unit. I started asking that I wanted to do this program I had to do in order to get out before 2024. And um, everybody, all the homies laughed at me. They said, you have a right. They are not going to let you in that program. You look, because I think, I can't remember the whole point system, but I think 12 and under is medium, and then like 7 and under is minimum, and I had 28 points at the time. So there's no way they're going to let you into a dorm setting. And the unit manager told me, if they're willing to interview you, I'll go to bat for you. And so the interview went like this. It was pretty simple. He said, promise me you're not going to go in to that dorm and stab one of your rival gang members. And I said, man, I just want a chance to go home like everybody else. But I didn't know that God had already appointed somebody on that tier to introduce me to Jesus Christ. You know, so I got onto that tier on July 10th, 2013. And on July 20th, 2013, I surrendered my life to Jesus by a man doing a Bible study in the, on the, in the day room. And... Then I started asking Pastor Rick and Sister Carol, they're from Soul Zone, they go out there every Thursday. I started asking them, hey, how can I get baptized? And they, so they said, well, the way it works here is there has to be enough people because when you're in a program, they don't let you interact with the rest of the institution. So you're kind of like in your own little space. And so what ended up happening was they kept saying, we don't have enough people. And this is how awesome God is. I kept praying every day, God, let there be enough people that want to be baptized because I want to get baptized. And my prayers were answered on November 14, 2013. That was a day that God, it's my little inside joke with God. So many people ended up wanting to get baptized that they had to do it three nights in a row. You know, three nights in a row. They did P1 one night, P2 one night, and P3 one night. And there was like about 12 or 13 of us from the tier I was on that got baptized. And that's how awesome our God is. But you see, I walked that broadened path. But you see, God showed me a love that the world couldn't show me. And this is where I want to get into God's, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Because see, I was so lost that the judicial system had already given up on me. The court system had said there was no hope for me. The California prison system said I was going to do a life sentence. Which, if I would have kept going down the path I was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be standing before you right now. I would have never gotten out. 
And that's the truth behind it. But you see, what John said is true. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, some of you out here today, you may be invited by your family. Some of you may be here and you may be feeling broken. You may be feel, you feel feeling lost. You may be feeling like there's no hope. Some of you may be feeling like that prodigal that is running away from God, but you decided to come to the park to hear the gospel because it's not inside of the four walls of a building. I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and he has a plan for you and he wants you to walk that narrow path. Just like Tucker was talking about in John 14, 6. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And see, and God knew how broken the world was. God knew that when sin was introduced in the world back in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve decided to eat of that apple, and the sin was introduced in the world, God seen how broken the world was. And so he had to make a way out for each and every one of us to have life. That's why it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And these are Jesus' words. And he says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. So that's why God... He sent his only begotten son. In John 3.16, it talks about it. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God loves each and every one of us equally. It doesn't matter where we've been in life. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter the damage we've caused in this world. When we ask Jesus into our hearts, we are a new creation. And it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and believe in your heart that he was risen from the dead, you should be saved. And it says in Romans 10, 13, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So all is a statement. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. I'm here to tell you Jesus loves you. And he also, Paul talks about that in Romans 5, 8. 5, 8. It says, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of you. And he loves you guys. And see, Paul also talks about in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore anyone in Christ is the new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And the beautiful part about that is that when we make a decision to follow Jesus and we ask Jesus into our hearts, that we were a new creation. Anything that we've done in our past is cast in the depths of the sea. We've been forgiven and we've been set free from that bondage and from that hurt and from that pain and from that destruction. And we're no longer walking that broadened path, but we begin to walk that narrow path. And we become a family. Because like Kirk was talking about community. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart and you become a believer in Jesus Christ, then you're part of the biggest family in the world. Because the same... Jesus Christ's blood flows through each and every one of our veins when we become a believer. And so I'm here to tell you, today is the day of salvation. We are not promised tomorrow. Um, I had an awesome privilege to preach in Oregon a couple weeks ago. And as I was driving there, I was thinking about all the guys that I was locked up with that were part of a particular gang in Oregon. Because a lot of them were locked up in Idaho. And there was one name that kept coming to my heart because we were neighbors in solitary talking in vents for about a year and a half, two years. So you talk to somebody a lot. through the, That's our only communication through the vents. And so I pull up to the church. I get out of the, my car, and I start walking around the, to the front of the church. And I look across the street, and there's this, wind, there's this windshield or the back of the window. And it says, rest in peace, Jerry Gomez. And I was like, no, God, you know, because in my heart, I was hoping some of these guys would be there. And um, 
Unfortunately, he lost his life on July 4th. And my prayer at that moment was that he found Jesus before that happened. You know, we never know what's going to happen and we're not promised tomorrow. So if you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, I would encourage you, don't look to your family member to the left or the right of you. Don't look to anybody else because they're not going to help you get to heaven. The only one way you could get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. The only way that you can have eternity, eternal life, and be able to spend eternity with your family is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So don't worry about what anybody else is saying or looking to you. If God has been speaking to your heart through the different testimonies you heard, through the message you heard through Tucker or through Kirk or through what God has asked me to share with you, Noah is going to give an invitation for you to come forward to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And some of us are going to be here to pray with you guys. And also, it would be a perfect opportunity to go straight to that river and be baptized afterwards. To publicly announce that I am not my own. That I am God's bondservant, commissioned by Christ. Because we are not our own. We were bought with a price. This is something Reggie shared about four years ago. It stuck with me. We are not our own. We were bought with a price, which was Jesus Christ dying on that cross. And we are God's bondservants, commissioned by Christ to share the gospel wherever we go. See, the beginning is giving your life to Jesus. Then God, as long as you're reading this Bible every day, God's going to show you his purpose for your life. God is going to show you the plans he has for you. But you must read the Bible every day. But I would encourage you, do not miss out on an opportunity to know Jesus. Because I know Jesus set me free. And he saved my life. And he brought reconciliation within my family. My dad got on his hands and knees. He doesn't know I know this to this day because of a message that I preached in 2015. My dad surrendered to Jesus. You know, I know that there's other family members that are secretly reading the Bible because they see what God's done in my life. So don't let this opportunity pass by. Jesus loves you guys, and he has a plan and a purpose for you. And I can continue just to encourage you and share the gospel with you, but I know that it's time for me to stop. <laughs> and I love every one of you. And if you guys have not made the decision, today's the day of salvation.